5, 6, and 7 in just a minute. If you want to turn your Bible, turn your Bibles, or uh, take a look at the screen in just a minute, it will be up. Um, Alright, so I know I've talked about the fact that I wrestled when I was younger, and I was thinking at some point, you talking about me wrestling sure sounds awfully proud, prideful, and probably guilty as charged. I mean, it is the best sport ever. Um, so, anyway, uh, I was taught well at a very young age how to wrestle. Um, I, my dad was a wrestling coach, so uh, I got to put on the wrestle. I'm glad I did. And, um, you know, by middle school, I had a lot of moves down, you know? Like, I knew a lot of wrestling moves. It wasn't so much that I had a problem with technique. It wasn't so much that I had a problem with conditioning. I, I ran a lot. I lifted a lot. If you 
are anxious, you're sinning is just as much a fallacy as to say if you're depressed, you're sinning. There are reasons that we are anxious that have nothing to do with sin for which we are culpable. So it's very important that you hear me say that. There is such a thing as anxiety that is due to physiological brokenness. It's a medical condition, no less than any other medical condition. It is the result of sin in the sense that the presence of sin in the world has led to the disintegration of all things, including our very selves. And some people experience that disintegration and feel it more acutely than the rest of us. That is not sin for which you are culpable. There's also sin in the sense that you've been sinned, I'm sorry, there's anxiety that's the result of the fact that you've been sinned against. That anxiety is a bitter fruit of trauma in your life. That anxiety is not your fault. As with physiological brokenness, see a doctor, see a therapist, so that they can help you receive the gracious invitation that this passage offers to all who are anxious. Again, the goal is to get us all to a point where by God's grace we can, we can, we can read these words and receive the gracious invitation that is contained therein. Invitation to entrust ourselves completely to God, casting all our anxiety upon Him. Then there is a kind of anxiety that is sinful, and, and Peter zeroes in on that in this passage, especially in the verse right before, when he says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, casting all your anxiety upon the Lord. There is an anxiety that is the result of sinful pride. There's an anxiety that is the result of demanding to have control of your own life. There's an anxiety that is the inevitable result of refusing to trust God. That's the anxiety. I'm sorry, that's the sin that is in view in this passage. And so where that anxiety is present as a result of personal sin, refusing to trust God, then, then I would pray that there will be repentance, an acknowledgement of that sin before the Lord, and a receiving of this gracious invitation to humble ourselves before the Lord, casting all our anxieties upon Him. But that application, humbling ourselves before the Lord, casting all our anxieties upon Him, is the application that we want to all arrive at, whether the anxiety we experience is anxiety for which we are culpable or simply the result of brokenness. And so as I preach this sermon, I hope that whatever place you find yourself in, whether you are dealing with an anxiety disorder, a clinical issue, or whether you are dealing with anxiety that is the direct result of personal sin, or because we are such a mixed bag, Hard to see where one line stops and the other ends. Starts and the other ends. That we will all come to this place where we can receive this gracious invitation. To humble ourselves before the Lord, casting all our anxiety upon Him. There's two things to believe and one thing to do, I believe this passage tells us, when it comes to anxiety. The first thing to believe 
this, that God knows better than me how my life should be going. God knows better than me how my life should be going. That's the first thing you believe. The second thing you believe is this. He has both the hand and the heart to see me through. God has both the hand and the heart to see me through. And then the thing to do is to entrust myself to him. Two things to believe, one thing to do, but first let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, with your word open before us, we ask that by your spirit you would seal these truths to our hearts, that we might gladly Trust ourselves to you today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so God knows better than me how my life should be going. That's the first thing that Peter calls us to believe in this passage. And we're going to look back again just briefly at the end of verse 5 and come into verse 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore. So let's talk about pride, let's talk about humility. When it comes to pride, we tend to think of it as thinking too much of yourself. And so the self-hyphen that we tend to think of when it comes to pride is self-exaltation, or self-promotion, or self-justification, or self-comparison. A better way to think about pride is this. Pride is thinking not too much of yourself, but thinking of yourself too much. In other words, the essence of pride is self-preoccupation. Before God, our self-preoccupation often finds expression in a demand for control. God, I know better than you how my life should be going. Again, anxiety looks to the future and is reacting in a way that is not consistent with simple trust in God's and when that happens, as a result of sinful pride, what's being exposed is this idol of the heart that says, I know better than God how my life should be going right now. We pray, thy will be done, but we really mean, my will be done. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. In other words, God may what you have ratified in heaven be ratified on earth. But what we really believe and pray and seek is God may what I have ratified on earth be ratified by you in heaven. And the inevitable result of that thinking is anxiety. Because you know you're not in control. Like, you know, at what point in your life do you begin to realize that? I'm guessing young. Uh, I was watching my granddaughter last night and she was Trying to, about, she was trying to scoot around, get ready. The granddad illustrations are just, they're coming. Like, just, you know, from here on out, just get used to it. Maybe I'll lay off the wrestling illustrations for granddad illustrations, but, you know, no promises. Anyway, last night we're watching our, our granddaughter, and she wanted to get kind of off the carpeting around to the, the uh, tile floor, and I was kind of sitting between the couch and the wall, and, and just kind of, you know, she kind of scooted her way over and wanted to get by me, and when she couldn't get by me, she would get frustrated. Why? She wasn't in control. That just, I'm not thinking, you know, Hazel, just get used to it. This is life. You are not in control. And we're not. We get frustrated. We get anxious. Why? Because this illusion of control. 
ritual to be had is being dissipated. But realize, we know as Christians, it's more than that. It's an idol of the heart that is being threatened. We believe, I cannot be happy, I cannot be content, I cannot be okay, unless I have control. That's idolatry. I'm looking to control for my salvation. Rather than looking to Christ and trusting Him. Pride, in its essence, at its root, is preoccupation with self. It is a demand for control. It is saying, I know better than God what's best for me. Is that not what afflicted Adam and Eve in the garden? Don't eat this fruit. It would be really good for me to eat that fruit. I know better than God. Anxiety is present. It is a warning light, like a warning light on your 
that something is wrong with the soul. Now again, there may be the need to go see a physician, to go see a therapist, and maybe the first way to cast your anxiety on the Lord is by calling a doctor. But just recognize that where anxiety is present is an indication that there's something broken. In the same way that where I you know, warning light is on your car, you shouldn't ignore it. The presence of anxiety is an indicator of the absence of humility. And humility, properly defined,
may be seen through us in this life. It may not be until then. But at the right time, at the apt time, at the time that is best in God's judgment, we will be exalted. He has the power to see to it. That's what Peter's saying here. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Entrust yourself to the one who has the power to see you through. And entrust yourself to the one who cares for you. Verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Again, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Casting all your anxieties upon the Lord. These two things go together. Because he cares for you. Beginning in, in two weeks, on September 27th, we're going to begin a series in which we're just going to spend between then and Christmas just looking at the still beats church. He rose bodily. He is at the right hand of the Father with a beating heart. On earth, he said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Meaning, in Christ, everything that we need to know about God's heart for his people, we see in him. That same Jesus is risen, and his heart still beats with concern for his people. He cares so we're getting a little preview here in this verse of where we're going to be headed for a few months, starting on September 27th. He cares for you. Be casting all your anxieties before him and trusting yourself to him because he cares for you. Early in our marriage, when he gave me a great illustration, it didn't take her long to get to know me to know that I was by nature pretty anxious. I wanted to control things. Or my idols. So she gave me this great illustration, this great picture. She said, Mark, you need to imagine that God is in an office, and he's seated behind his desk, and he has on his desk an inbox. Now, some of you remember what an actual inbox looks like, right? A desk with an actual inbox, not a computer in which a bunch of zeros and ones constitute an inbox. Roll it. An actual inbox in which, and when he would say, just you know, imagine yourself in prayer entering into God's office and, and laying all these things that are creating anxiety in your heart into God's inbox. It's a great image. I love it. It became all the more real several years, in, a few years into our marriage, when I was working in a lab as a chemist, as a bench level supervisor, which meant that whenever the other chemists had a problem, they were supposed to come to me for the answer. Boy, they, the lab didn't do well for that season. And I would go into my, the president of the lab, I would go into that office, his office, I won't say his name, and, and, and I would, yeah, too much I'm going in with problems. Can't figure this one out at one time. And this was the point when I really began to realize I wasn't doing what I should be doing with my life. I walked into his office with a problem, and he started pounding his thighs and said, you should know this by now.
Father. He gave His Spirit to comfort us and to remind us of these things even now. In that place where you are anxious right now, in that moment as you think about what's going to happen in the fall, which is here, what's January 2021 going to bring? God by His Spirit is saying, I'm with you. Trust me. And as you do, you can't say, all your anxiety, all me. All of them. In fact, the word for casting there is not gently laying them down for me. It's like, chuck them. The Greek word that's used there is a word that's used in Luke to talk about um, the, 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 the people you know, kind of throwing cloaks over the donkey that Jesus rides into Jerusalem. In other words, you know, modern day application, picture throwing a saddle up onto a horse. And Peter's saying, cast them all on the Lord. Because he cares for you. God will both